Ready? No. Hello, everyone, and welcome back Man, to the. You December. sound so professional. Oh my gosh! Stop, <laughs> Dad! <laughs> you're embarrassing you me. I don't think so. Our job is to help you win. The destination is I will be a disciple who can make disciples. We got to watch people see themselves as world changers. Welcome back to the Disciples Made podcast. My name is Hannah Phipps. What's your name? I'm Brian. Dad, a.k.a. Dad. Dad, yes. I will reference you as Dad and Brian. I'm sorry. It's going to be weird, guys, but it'll be fun. And we are here with bonus, bonus episode, episode two. Not regular. Not regular. Bonus episode two. Really excited to jump in to this with you guys today. We are going to be talking about how did Disciples Made start to expand in Westside Family Church and your church. So let's just jump right into this. Brian... Dad, <laughs> how did the first group become more groups? Walk us through that. You got it. I was the small groups, uh, discipleship, grow pastor there at uh, Westside Family Church for nine years. Phenomenal experience. And if you heard bonus episode one, you know that I had I was leading a men's group that um, that I committed to break into five groups. I, I recruited five of those guys in that group to be leaders of their own groups. They invited their own co-leader to go with them. And then I committed to disciple them for a year. And the uh, thing I put together to disciple them for the year, I called Disciples Made. We ended up changing that to leaders made because I had to add a followers made, which was like the prequel to leaders made because it was too much. So anyway, a lot of that, that backstory on how all that started. But here's what happened. We started doing that first group that I called Disciples Made. 12 months long, we met 5.30 to 7 on Tuesday mornings. They would read through most of the Bible in that 12 months. They were reading books on leadership. They were holding each other accountable. They were leading other people. I mean, they, they stepped into this massive investment in their own personal discipleship. And I saw such radical transformation. We're talking 125% more impact in their lives than I had ever seen in any disciple making effort I had ever made before. If you've ever watched the Beverly Hillbillies, it starts, let me tell you a story about a man named Jed, a poor mountaineer, Beverly kept his family fed, and out one day he was done? shooting at some, sorry, so he's out there, he's just hunting uh, some food for dinner, he shoots, and then all of a sudden he finds oil under his, under the ground. And that's what it felt like for me. I was just trying to be obedient to this one step, and it's like we had just tapped into disciple-making gold. And so the one decision that I made that ended up being the right decision was let's let our next, we call it, we had this leadership community called Lead360. It was a monthly gathering where we invited the key leaders and influencers in the church to just come and learn a little bit about leadership and grow and things like that. Well, this month during the summer, we're going to do something special. We're just going to take these 11 guys that are in this experience, put them up on a stage and ask them to tell their story of what God's been doing in their life. We had about 50 or 60 people come to that meeting. And at the end of the meeting, when we didn't even really make a pitch for people to sign up for these for another group, there were 21 guys who committed to wanting to be a part of a Leaders Made for Men. And there were 14 women that were committed to wanting to do that 
for a women's group. So all of a sudden, this what was one small group became five small groups. And the, the leaders and co-leaders of those five small groups inspired the development of two more disciples made groups. And then out of those, the stories of those people that were going through that without putting them on a stage, just how they talked to their friends, it was, it was their stories that made their friends want to be a part of it. So we went from one disciples main group to three disciples made groups from three to five and from five on out. It was like a hockey stick. It was a, a slow start of growth in the beginning. And then it just exponentially went on out, which makes sense. That's just the way Jesus kind of sets things up. He talks about how a little bit of yeast eventually works its way through the dough. You don't need a lot of yeast. Just put a little bit of yeast in there and it'll work its way through the dough. That's the way the kingdom of God is. And that's the way it grew within our church. So we know that you can structure for growth or structure for control. Which did you do and what edits did you make along the way? Love it. Uh, that is a, um, a statement, a maxim that I heard uh, from Rick Warren and stuck with me for a long time. Uh, one of my mentors and close friends, Dan Sutherland, said that a lot as well. And I knew that I didn't want to structure for control. I knew, I mean, that's what I was trained to do uh, in seminary, and that's what was my default mode, and I realized the limitations that it had. So I wanted to structure for growth. And so I went, like, no no structure at all. Like Just kind of swung the other way completely? Uh, well, yeah, which is what a lot of folks do, and that's what I did. I wish I wouldn't have. But basically what I said is, you know, here's the materials. Here's how we did it. Here's what I've learned as best practices. Go for it. Yeah. You're dependent on Goes, the same yeah. spirit that I am. Let him guide you. He'll be the, the quality control factor. And that worked with uh, up to three generations. But when we started to get to the fourth generation, I started getting reports back of this is not good. This is just another book study and it's not very valuable. So I started asking like, what's going on? Well, we're not doing triads. We're not doing H2O. We're not doing all these big components. And uh, it's basically just become a counseling session. And I was like, well, what in the world has happened? And people just weren't following the recipe. So what we realized was you know, we have to provide a measure of structure. So my, my tension point was how do I provide enough structure for this thing to really work and scale out without the structure becoming more constrictive than it is to growth? And the, and the metaphor to me that worked the most is that like, like systems in your own body. Like you've got a muscular system and you've got a skeletal system. Which one of those do you need to be able to stand up and walk? Yes. Yeah, you need them both. And you have just enough skeleton to support everything else mm -hmm. in your body. And that's what we did. We basically created a certification process. It's, it's like an information huddle, but for group leaders mm -hmm. that are getting ready to lead. And there's their, their own like expectations. Here's what we expect. Here's the qualifications. Here's the training that we want to walk you through. Sign here on the dotted line that this is how you will lead. So we created enough certification. Now, if you are a current Disciples Made leader, you realize you don't have access to that document. It's nowhere in the app yet. If you want that, just email us at info at disciplesmade.com and say, send me the certification and we'll do it. So what I'm kind of hearing from you is that you've given them a good foundation, a good structure, but enough leeway for them to be able to tailor it to their exact situation. 
Yeah, that's a great way to say it. And I would also say we've done everything that we can to put the training within the app. Like there's videos on how to start a group and how to lead a group and how to do it the very best way. It's up to you to follow the recipe, but the stuff's there. We're not going to regulate it for you. We believe that if you're a leader that really wants to make disciples, we just encourage you, follow the recipe, follow the recipe to a T and then make it better. Here's a quick tip for you. If you're considering using our tools, everybody enjoys leading their second experience 200 more times than they do their first, just because they know how to do it well the second time through. So enjoy. All right. So quick overview of this episode, how did disciples meet start to expand in your church? I think it truly goes back to multiplication. You started with your first group, you invested well and just from that they were made they were made (laughs) and then people told people and they wanted to get into that and i think that goes kind of back to how jesus did things and i think that's awesome that you are following in that footstep so cool one other thought i'll throw in here for those of you who are systems people or business people if you've ever heard of the innovation bell curve You know that it's the innovators that try to bring change to an organization, and they usually move with the early adapters, the people that are quick to adapt to whatever is new. It's the stories of the early adapters, not the innovators, the early adapters that win the hearts of the early majority, which is like 32% of the people in the organization. The early adapters are only like eight and a half to 12, if I'm not mistaken. And it's the early majority that reaches the late majority. So Jesus model has been reproduced in systems and businesses and corporations for centuries. Don't ignore it. Start with his model. All right. Thank you guys so much for joining us for episode two. And we will see you next week for episode three.